Hey guys, welcome back. VDC Care here. We're back with season nine, episode 45 of our weekly Q and A video. Uh, this is, I, I say video, but it's a video slash podcast links in right. the description on the video right. on all the major podcasting platforms. And this is my pitch for listening to it on a podcasting platform. Uh, if you're not paying attention to the video very much anyways, it's a great way of downloading it and taking it with you so you can listen sort of passively while you're doing other mm -hmm. stuff. Mm -hmm. That is my preferred way to consume sort of longer form content, uh, like this, but then also, you know, scripted stuff that's uh, a lot higher effort than this. Um, and even if you're on the, the right platform or if your phone works or if you have a second device or whatever, you can like play yourself instead of watching right, us right, play, right. you can play yourself while you listen to this. And if you're consuming injustice content, I think that's like sort of the, the best pairing. And this is, whereas you do the pitch for listening to a podcast, this is yeah. where I give the counter pitch for why it's worth watching. Because the footage mm -hmm. here is interesting. And, I, yeah. and I'll point out a couple of things. One is we're doing uh, Kandak Black Adam because this is his week in the challenge. Yeah. And it's a team with Killer Frost, who was last week's challenge, mm -hmm. and Hawkgirl. And I've wanted to make the case for the longest time that any of those tier lists for characters on Injustice has it wrong unless Hawkgirl is either top tier or next to top tier. Yeah. And I think this is this team that I've got, not so much a team, but the, the loadout with Hawkgirl, mm -hmm. I think is my best argument for why she's the best because this team is almost interchangeable. It doesn't have yeah. to be Killer Frost. It doesn't have to be Kandak Black Adam, but it is super effective. And all you really need, I think, is if you're a special specialist, the one person who's got Tantu Totem mm -hmm. has a decent special one that's not reduced value because of some other effect, like a stun or something. Mm -hmm. Then this team and this gear loadout is amazing. Like it, it lets you basically win unless you make a mistake and unless you don't have a plan for certain situations, it lets you win almost every fight. And the beauty of it is that Hawkgirl herself, when it feels like, you know, a lot of times when you've got a team and your main damage output guy gets knocked out. Yeah. It feels like you're done. If, yeah, absolutely. And if two of them are out, then, you know, even if you win, it feels like it's about to get kind of slow and frustrating and yeah. hard, but the key is to not to lose and, and lose all your uh, ladder bonus. Yeah. So Hawkgirl herself, the way she's geared out, is pretty effective. So I think next week what I'd like to do, I think the next week challenge character is going to be Suicide Squad Deadshot. Mm -hmm. I think I'm just going to take this team and swap out both Killer Frost and Black Adam for Suicide Squad Deadshot and maybe a teammate just to make the point of how good Hawkgirl is and how good she makes everybody else with the right gears. Mm. Yeah. Okay. And so we, we're going to get into questions soon. This is not going to be a long discussion. I do want to just mention, I have been playing a game recently mm. and I just want to update people and talk about it. Cause I know I sometimes talk about stuff and a lot of times I only talk about stuff that I really, really like. Yeah. And so this time I'm going to talk about something that I have a little bit of sort of mixed feelings about, which is I've been playing death loop mm -hmm. and it is the first single player game in a while other than Neon White, which I kind of played socially because all my friends were playing it. And it mm -hmm. felt like a mix of like sort of 
a single player in a multiplayer game the way that we're playing it. But it's the first single player game I've been able to get into in a while, okay. which is a good sign for it. It's a it's a means that it's at least a, it's a strong endorsement. quality. Yeah. It's strong enough. But then I want to also say that I think the game is just good enough for me to get into it and not much more. So I've been I've been kind of it's an it's a really interesting uh, concept. It's like a sort of time loop concept mm-hmm. where the idea is that you have to take out eight um, the sort of key enemies on this island. Mm. Uh, and the, the days looping over and over again. And so you have to take them all out in one day. And the idea is that you go through to each area and there's like, I think four or five sort of times of the day that you play at. Mm. And every time you enter and leave an area, it advances the time of day. And you've got to figure out sort of how to do the perfect day and take them all out in a single day. Right. And so there's certain stuff you can do because there's eight of them and you only have like four or five segments of time. Uh, obviously sort of. You can't just go to one area, take out one, and then leave. And so you sort of learn the routines and stuff, and then you mm-hmm. also uh, theoretically learn <laughs> stuff to like disrupt them. Like, oh, maybe at this time of day, there's two of them together, but maybe if you do this thing, you know, whatever. And so it's it's a really sort of cool idea, right? Right, right, right. Um, where you're kind of like a time loop assassin. But it ends up, I think, um, n- allowing you to engage with it a lot more shallowly because mm-hmm. as you learn pieces of information, you like read a scrap of paper or something and it'll tell you like a code, a password, it'll give you something. Um, but then when you hit escape it, it sort of, it organizes all the information for right, you right, right. so you can put it together. And so I like that because it means that I don't have to, you know, hold this big sort of puzzle in my <laughs> head and you can leave and come back and whatever. But the thing that I don't like so much about that is that it lets you kind of just open a piece of paper, close it without reading it, it take the information and then just let it turn into like a, essentially like a quest marker on your, on your game. And so I think it's a really interesting idea. I think it's, you know, stylish enough and fun enough. I, I really liked it. It's the same developer who made Prey, right? Arcane, um, mm-hmm. which was a game that I really, really loved and Dishonored, which is a game that I didn't like as much, but I still had a good time with. I, I, I didn't get through it. Uh, but Prey, I really, really sort of adored. And so it's got enough of that sort of the arcane stuff to it right. that makes me, I think, like it. And in general, I like the stuff that they do. Um, and But then it, it feels that it's missing something to make it click the way that Prey really, right. really clicked for me. So it's uh, it's interesting. If, if you like their stuff, you've probably already heard of it and it's on your radar. If you don't like their stuff, uh, I would you know or if you don't know about their stuff yet uh i would go with like pray first but i i think it's another so do you go with the one that's actually better do you like when people have not had any exposure to it do they get more joy ultimately if they go with the one that's lesser knowing that there's one better after it so then they can appreciate more because if you go really high high quality first then you're spoiled for the plain stuff well death loop is newer and more expensive in general so you'd be able to get prey for cheaper Ah, uh, doing the same stuff and you know people have mixed opinions on prey Uh, a lot of people really love it it's sort of one of those like cult classic games where it didn't do super well financially but it was uh received really well by a lot of people uh and so i would i would start with prey before anything else and then if you like that kind of thing there's a lot of sort of the same bones even though they mix up the formulas a lot like so you know dishonored is a game about going into sort of like linear levels and then there's a couple different ways to do it and getting the freedom within that and then prey is sort of a, a big like puzzle box of interconnected areas and parts where you can kind of do a lot of different stuff in a lot of uh different ways and you you feel like you're sort of stumbling into stuff more even if there is kind of like a linear story to it 
uh, there is there's a lot more sort of flexibility in how you explore and unearth that, and there it, it feels like a lot more of just like going around one sort of big place and finding out the secrets, which okay. is really appealing to me. So you mentioned something that really my mind's going off on tangent completely, but you mentioned time loops. Yeah. What from your memory? What do you think, or just from your understanding, where do you think? The idea of time loops first got really popularized. I think we've had this conversation before. Where do you think it started? Because um, I have some ideas about connecting that to video games, but that's the starting point. So I don't have do any idea of where I think it started. I think Groundhog Day was one of the first things to really yeah. popularize it. Yeah. And I think yeah. there was that book that we read, which okay. I'm forgetting so, the name of, which was actually okay, okay. one of the first, like... Well, I think it's been done before, but I think absolutely Groundhog Day popularized yeah. it. I think part of what's changed the landscape a little bit, it's not just Groundhog Day. The idea of a game where you can start over again and mm-hmm. you can reload from like what, it, what yeah. you call them, checkpoints. Yeah. That idea in video games didn't happen until the 80s, right? Mm-hmm. Like a lot of that didn't. So it's very much that whole trope is a part of culture now. So it's become yeah. much more popularized in more ways than just Groundhog Day. Mm-hmm. But the movie, or sorry, the book that it made me think it was Replay by Ken Greenwood. Yeah, that's and what it was. I've always been sad and more so now because i know i'm pretty sure it'll never get made because of both groundhog day and the way it's time looping now is just so like there's looper there's all these looping movies and media and stories and whatever and i think part of it is edge of tomorrow yes and it's it's become so much a part of different the idea is so much a a different part of other media like the mm-hmm. games and the movies and books and whatever yeah. that reap it's it's like when you've got something that was the first at it and the it sign really well. where something is sort of not <laughs> seen as well coming back to it because it pioneered so many things and it feels uh, and everybody else derivative. sort of copied and built on it right, right, it, right. it defined everything that came after it so yeah, much yeah. that when you go back to it it feels yeah. really bare but sparse because everybody it, else decades to take it and improve. replay doesn't feel like that though yeah. it's still like i i ch- read the last little bit again the one that really yeah. hit me hard it still hits really hard mm. i still think it's a really great book I just think because it's been done so much that it's going to be hard to find somebody who's willing to commit the time and the money yeah. to make it. And it's sad. So that's, I've, I've endorsed it a bunch of times before. I'm going to endorse it one more time. If you haven't read Replay by Ken Grimwood, you're in for a treat. Yeah. Yeah. And so for me, this is an endorsement of Arcane Studios sort yeah. of whole library. Okay. And, but specifically, I think it's good to look, because I said, you know, Prey is kind of, you're, you're exploring this huge sort of zone and you're coming back to different places and recontextualizing them based off of the new powers you have and stuff like that and death loop strikes me as kind of like that but a lot it feels a lot more sort of <laughs> regimented and railroady whereas prey i felt like i was making discoveries a lot more organically yeah. and it felt even though you weren't sort of playing the same day over and over again you're playing the same area and the way that prey worked with the mimics right the things that would disguise themselves as other objects and the way that uh certain triggers would sort of make new enemies appear in the station uh harder enemies in places that you'd already been feeling fresh it kind of felt like you were sort of replaying every time you went through an area right mm-hmm. it wasn't just you cleared it once and then it was done it's that you cleared it once and then uh, maybe you lulled yourself into a false sense of security. And then one time when you're going through it, you know, a coffee mug jumps at your face and tries to, you know, mm. eat you. And then all of a sudden you're not looking at that area as right. safe anymore, which I think was a really cool sort of twist where it uh, sort of played with the the backtracking and stuff by making it sort of a light um, 
sort of horror slash thriller game, right? Jump scares. Jump scares. But not just jump scares. And it wasn't, like, you know, cheap, but there was um, sort of... And, and then also the way that, like, you sort of accumulate power and potential. And it turns from, like, a thriller, sort of slow-paced stealth game. Uh, and then very naturally, just through the mechanics and getting more stuff, uh, you sort of get to by the end of it uh have a lot closer to that sort of like power fantasy gameplay which you know in my opinion that was the part where the game was a little weaker because the the one problem and that's the problem that i'm running into into in death loop is that um the actual combat itself is one of the weaker parts of their sort of gameplay loop Uh, they do a lot of things really well, but the actual combat itself, there's some games that really nail the feeling of like flow and power and, you know, going from enemy to enemy. Mm-hmm. You think about like, um, like the Batman games, whatever. And then, you know, these are a little clunky, but anyways, so let's, uh, let's hit our first question. Yep. This one comes from small, small. They say, thanks for the videos. I was wondering if you guys could cover when the survivor packs show up and disappear. It seems, for example, Arkham Origins Deathstroke survivor pack is tied with arkham knight harley's challenge the the short answer is we don't know the long answer is i think is actually not tied to anything it was for a while there it was really unusual there was the bounty hunter lobo survivor pack with the two scorpions yeah scorpion scorpions um and it hung around for a long time we've had some survivor packs show up they show up so infrequently you know it's like that math we did for the the challenge. Oh, where they're both primes. And yeah, the multiple. Well, it's, I don't know if it's a prime schedule, but it feels like it comes so infrequently that it probably is going to be that unlikely to find a pattern. Yeah. If you're looking, even you, if you're you have for so it. few data points yeah. that the amount of time it would take for, for the pattern to make itself apparent would be, it would just take so long. Yeah. And then, you know, even if you did find a pattern, it would be like, oh, you know, like every so many months, right? Every like, yeah. It would be like a really long time. You'd see a loop, and then you, yep. and there wouldn't be anything sort of useful to do with that, yep. because nobody would, you know, organize their playing time over like a pattern that long and slow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think, I guess the key to the survivor packs and why they were so good isn't even always necessarily the characters were good or great. It's that they were. There's still one of the few packs left where you get interesting characters and still power credits only. Yeah. So it's one of the last vestiges of the old days when almost everything was a power credit pack. Yeah. So there we go. Our next question comes from Ryzen Vacha, and they say, I was watching the fights, and I was thinking, if you had your choice of team and gear, do you guys ever lose? What sort of teams would you even lose to? Blackest Night Catwoman, Red Sun Green Lantern, what are the problem cards? And I think this is actually a really good question. Yeah. Because, you know, we talk about sort of winning consistently and how the best team is one that can win relatively fast, relatively consistently. And also, you don't need to adjust very strongly to <laughs> certain types of enemies because that's when you can play the way that you're used to playing and then screw up and then lose because, you know, a certain team throws a monkey wrench in your plans. <laughs> right. So... I think this question is sort of asking us explicitly, what are those teams? What teams give you trouble? And right, right. what teams are more difficult? You know, think, how do you lose them or how do you not lose so, them? So the first part is actually the interesting part because it it recognizes one thing that we're doing, right? So Ryzen says, I was watching the fights and I was thinking, if you had your choice of team and gear, do you guys ever lose? So the implied question there is, 
what team would you pick if you had your choice? Because we actually do intentionally play with different teams that we may not want to play with. I'll yeah. tell you what, if I had my choice of team every time, I would play Flashpoint every time. If it was just really motoring through and winning every time, because there's Until some- you got bored of them. Until you got bored of them. There's something that's super effective. The damage output is huge. There's no real trouble that you can run into that's not solvable some way. And the, the times I think I, I run into trouble with a team is when I'm, one, I'm not playing Flashpoint. And yeah. two, I'm trying to make a point of something where I don't have enough of the experience to have a feel. Because some things it's interesting, right? That you know that, like, if you're watching the fight now, I know that with Kandak Black Adam, when I tag him in, I can either get a swipe combo, mm-hmm. but he's fast enough that if they block on the combo and my first hit is not going to go, yeah, I can time it now so that I can just engage my special one right, right away. So then, and if they block it, that's fine. But a lot of times they don't because they're in the in the moment ready to counter punch. Mm-hmm. So those kind of nuances... Um, I think I've got Flashpoint team down only because I spent so many hours playing with them yeah. before we started, like, I think in the last year or so, trying to do other multiplayer teams as the background. Yeah. And that's the first part. So that's what I would play all the time. And I think it mm-hmm. would be very hard to lose. I mean, obviously you lose concentration enough. You're not paying attention. There's a couple t- fights where I just didn't even notice when, you know, I'm half asleep and I didn't even notice that the fight had started. Mm. And I've already lost um, uh, Aquaman. Yeah, but that's not nearly as important. So as long as you got two characters, right? Like any Tantu Totem team, as long as you got two characters, then you're gonna be okay. I don't yeah. know. We can edit that out of. The, I don't. Uh, well, if anybody hears that, that's well, fine. Yeah. yeah. So, um, what sort of teams do you even lose to? Um, so they mentioned Blackest Night, Catwoman, interesting. Red Sun, Green Lantern, interesting. I don't know that ne- both of them are necessarily. Well, all right. Blackest, Bat, sorry, not Blackest Night, Batman Ninja Catwoman. I always get the BN wrong, even though yeah. I know exactly what it should be. Um, Red Sun, no, Green I say Batman bad. Ninja or did I say Blackest Night? I can't remember now. Oh my god, I wasn't paying attention. Okay. So I'll tell you who's the most difficult. It's a full Arkham Knight team with Arkham Knight Batgirl in reserve. Yeah. And she's geared to have Astro Harness mm-hmm. and she's geared to boost stun damage. Yeah. That is the worst team for two things. So it's one thing even that somebody gets saved. It's another thing that on the saving, you end up getting bombed. Because yeah. when she tags in, she will stun you. And if she's got any... Actually, she doesn't even need Azure Harness. If she comes in and stuns you, yeah. you are just waiting. Please hit me first so that I can be released from my stun so I can yeah. actually do something. And she can, if she's geared right, she can wipe you out. Yeah. I think she's the toughest for exactly that reason. Blackest Night Flash. That Blackest Night Flash team. If you have somebody who happens to do damage over time with their specials, whether it's because that's the way they are, like Aquaman, or because you've geared them that way with, say, Ibistick and the Lexor Gauntlets and, um, you know, Heart of Darkness, and you do that. Or you've geared your team to be like a really like Arkham Knight Catwoman. Mm-hmm. That those like max damage over time teams that you've given her um, the Quake Engine. Yeah. Because any other team except for Blackest Night Flash, you will basically bleed them out in seconds. All of a sudden flipped, it, the tables have turned on you. Everything's been flipped. And 
if you use her at all, if you use Arkham Knight Catwoman at all, you better have two other good characters. Because if you use her at all, you will lose. Mm-hmm. As you watch f- all of the Blackest Knight team regenerate health like crazy, generate power like crazy, and almost impossible to win. I won't say mm-hmm. it's necessarily impossible. Yeah. Uh, you know who else I, I hate facing? I mean, this is, it's easy because a part of me just looks back on the fights that are the most difficult that get my heart racing, even if you win. So if Ares tags in with Astro Harness and two bars of power mm-hmm. and Tentu Totem. Mm-hmm. Okay. So that's two of his gear slots. He could have a master's death card. He could have back row, teammate, whatever. When he tags in, you better have a counter. The only way I've been able to, to, to fix this is with, um, to really counter it easily. All right, so two counters to that. Splash damage. Mm. So that when he comes in, he's got almost nothing. And then Ast- it's just a, a tap to get him out. Yeah. Astro Harness is not that great a counter because then he gets his power back. And then it's just a matter of racing to see who will be not vulnerable, sort of vulnerable first, not invulnerable, who will be vulnerable first. And because he's got Astro Harness, there's, unless you've got a guy who does big single hit damage. Yeah you're kind of screwed a little bit. Mm -hmm. And so if you're watching this team, this team with this loaded is a perfect counter. So Killer Frost has uh, Master's Death Cart, Claw of Horus, and Enchantress uh, Companion Gear. Yeah. And the reason why that works is because when you tag Killer Frost in the second time, and I I can't even remember if there's going to be footage in this series that shows us facing areas like that. You tag in, you bust up every single piece of his gear. So he doesn't get the effect of Tanty Totem, even if he knocks out one of your guys. He doesn't... It, Astro Harness after invul- that invulnerability is toast because you can shatter every single piece of his gear. Mm-hmm. And Enchantress, the effect, keeps him from using a special two. So you've stripped all his gears. You've basically... Um, what's the word for it? When you have the special that... Or a gear that will lock out the special, so he can't do specials temporarily. That's what Enchantress does. Special disabling? Yes, it disables his specials. And then that buys you enough time that if you can tag in somebody who is strong enough, which usually should have um, your, in this case, Kendak Black Adam with special one. And if it's not powerful enough, you know what you do? Because of Hawkgirl, you tag in Killer Frost again, and you trick your Enchantress gear, and you've disabled his special again. Nice. So, in certain circumstances, if I'm not playing with this team, it can be very difficult, but I love this. Um, who else is difficult? Ah, they mentioned um, Batman Ninja Catwoman. Mm-hmm. So, she's tough, not only because she does a huge amount of damage, but because her Batman Ninja teammates will save her. Yeah. Now, that's not nearly as bad as Arkham Knight Catwoman, because when her teammates save her, they don't stun you. Yeah. They might steal your power, they might do other stuff, but they don't stun you. Mm-hmm. New 52 Shazam I find difficult because he can stay invulnerable for so long. If you've if somebody's given him Necron Scythe, so he's got really almost no health, and then he gets the benefit of Necron Scythe's power drain and mm-hmm. health drain, yeah, and he's invulnerable to KO because his passive has been triggered for you know up to 21 seconds. That can be tough, right? You need in that case you actually need a tank or you need to be really good at damage output so you keep on hitting him with specials or combos so that he doesn't get any bars of power yeah because his his special will prior over um prioritize first over yours yeah 
and he will knock you out mm. before you get a chance to do anything unless you've got a decent tank or you can just uh, keep on draining him or something like that. But he's he's a big hassle. Yeah. Who else? Oh, you know who's a pain in the ass but shouldn't be? Who? Arkham, Har- Arkham Knight Harley Quinn. Mm. Because she's she doesn't always hit you when you tag in, but when she does... It can be pretty rough. It can be pretty rough. And sometimes I'm tempted... Not sometimes. Most of the time I'm tempted to try to wait until she tags in before bringing my main damage dealer. And that is often a mistake. Mm. Because it, it changes the flow of the game. And it buys the other teammates enough time if your first person who you're leaving in cannot deal with the person in front of them fast enough. Mm. Oh, and it's especially bad when it's an Arkham Knight Batgirl and an Arkham Knight Harley Quinn team with somebody else in front because then not only do you have the the entry hazard of Harley Quinn, but then you don't you have the danger of knocking them out and having Arkham Knight Batgirl come in and just nuke you. Like Arkham Knight Harley Quinn is um super effective. I mean in some ways oh I was thinking that Lucia Rebane for some people is really difficult. I'll tell you who's worse than Lucha Rebane is Ares tagging with power because Lucha Rebane at least, if the an easy counter is that if you are in the middle of your special when he tags in, it him being a nuke relies so much on the stun mm-hmm. that once you avoid it, that danger's over. Yeah. Ares, if he's got Astro Harness and Tentu Totem, you can't avoid the problem. He does a special two. You try to counter, and once his even if you've got invulnerability, he's not going very often he's not going to be knocked out until he's dropped a special two on you at least once. Yeah. So was that long enough? <laughs> now I know that was a bit long, but it was an interesting question. Yeah, I think I think that is a good question. I think it's also, yeah, like I said, it's sometimes hard. I guess the the sort of answer to the question. That's the list of all the people that we have trouble with, right? Yeah. If we have our choice of team and gear, do we ever lose? Basically, never. Right? I think not. I mean, if if to be on, if we're gonna be honest, the team that I'm picking every time is Flashpoint. Yeah. And if I gear it right, I don't think it's. I don't know that it's possible to lose unless you make a mistake. I think with most of the teams that we pick, we're playing at a level where you, like, sometimes it's the right balance where you're not running into the teams that are going to really screw you over yeah, so much. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and sometimes it's that you run into them anyways, but you're ready for them. Yeah. Uh, and so I think the thing is with us that you're you're seeing, you know, successful fights. I think mm-hmm. sometimes when we're messing around, right, you don't always get sort of the optimal team. Yeah. And so I, I don't know how often a lose even happens in those circumstances. It's pretty rare yeah. still, yeah. I'd say. But I'm, I'm not saying it won't happen, but we also mess around with a lot of different teams. Yeah. So, you know, if you have your choice of team to never lose with, if that's your goal, then you, you can pretty much never lose. But if you're messing around and experimenting and whatever, you do lose sometimes. And losing is part of it. I, um, I went skating. Uh, really recently, and it had been years. Ice skating. I, ice skating. I got back into it. Um, I, I've only been skating sort of like twice in like the past like five years or mm. seven years or whatever. Uh, and they have both been you know this season. And there was uh, a dad and his his kid, 
Mm-hmm. Uh, and the kid was was learning how to skate, and it was really sort of just flailing arms, kind of right. going fast, but not really with any technique or trying right. to go fast. So not going very right. fast, because you know, with with skating, it's one of those things where when you don't know what you're doing, it's really hard. It's hard work, and you don't go very far. Right. Right. And when you do know what you're doing, uh, it's pretty easy, and you're going pretty fast, right? Uh, with not a lot of effort, right? But so the kid was sort of flailing, and he totally wiped out. He said, "Oh, Dad, I fell." And the dad looked at him and he said, that's okay. Falling's part of the fun, right? And I, I like that sort of uh, expression way of thinking about it. So I think, you know, if your goal is just winning, when you're good, you right. can win very consistently. Right. But part of the fun is trying out stuff. Right. And trying out stuff is opening yourself up to losing every once in a while. Right. So if you're just looking for sort of the maximum rewards, it's pretty easy to set yeah. ourselves up to not yeah. lose. But we, we actually want to lose every once in a while right. because... You know, or it we want to we want to be in a position where we can lose every once in a while. We're vulnerable to losing only because we're trying new things and maybe discovering things that are better in a different way. Yeah, and that's, that's way. an important part of the fun. Yeah. yeah. So I think that's uh, it's the sandbox, man. Yeah. And and so, but then the the version that we show you, it's the same way. You know, oh, you don't right. bring you don't bring the trying out sort of flounder around stuff. If you've got like a, a sizzle reel that you're cutting together of all sort of your, your best moves, right. your best stuff, we're showing you the stuff that we have right. figured out. We're not showing you a weird right. team that doesn't go anywhere right. that it turns out that like, okay, yeah, we can win maybe, you know, a ladder with them, but they don't do anything interesting. They're not as good as, you know, a different gear loadout or right. a slightly different team, whatever. Right. We don't show you the sort of that stuff. Right. Uh, so you end up, you know, only really seeing the times that we're not losing right. and- unless the team is like really high risk, high reward, interesting. I don't think we've done one of those in like a while. And I, I think part of the, the the good or sad thing is that there's just so many hours of footage even. I mean, I'm still playing a few hours a week. Yeah. So there's a lot of footage to choose from. Yeah. And most of the interesting footage is not losing footage. It's the parts where something neat happens. Yeah. Like the time where somebody's coming in with a bunch of power and this particular team, for example... Not a problem. Mm-hmm. Disable their specials, shatter their gear, tag in to hit them. Oh, didn't knock them out. Tag in <laughs> somebody to disable their specials again, and it's 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 surprisingly fun. When I, I mean, we use this word a lot, being engaged, yeah. where you need to actually look at it and think of it. And it's the opposite, I think, of what people do when they've been grinding for a while and they're. Uh, leaning more towards the collecting part mm-hmm. and not so much the sandbox part. Right. I think that's one of the the neat things about being this far along in the game is that we can really enjoy that sandbox part. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there we go. And I think that's a, a nice, healthy length, half an hour. Yeah, probably seems like a good place to end it off here. Right. So to finish up, I'd like to give a shout out to Eliza Wee Woo Katen. Uh, she makes the ambulance noise. Uh, this shout-out is brought to you by uh, Emergency Services, I guess, which in, in Canada is free. Uh, I, I don't know why I threw that in. That feels like just sort of like a dig at like the U.S. for for seemingly no reason. It feels a, it felt, it feels a little unnecessary now that I've mentioned it. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. I said it, and it's too late. There's no... We can't edit audio. It's impossible. Um, <laughs> That's right. So, it's not possible. Uh, uh, we'd also like to give a huge thank you to all the lovely folks who support us on Patreon. Uh, that would be Bumble Ben, Consul Peasant, and Ed Woon at the top tier last word, Cinemac, and Mohammed El Shady at the Your Message here tier, uh, Drew Chapman, Sean Farrell, Daniel Simonson, Aaron Mall, Michael DeVries, 
Brandon C., Irvin Ruiz, Eddie Dew, and Hoshi127 at the credited level. And Chris Wolf, Scarlet Danny, Awesome Gamer 2 for 1, Pavu RS, Gavim Law, and Isfra'i at the gratitude level. Thank you so much for your support, and thanks so much all of you for watching. We'll see you next time. Komoda. Komoda.